Hello. Lovely to see you all. Uh, my name's Nev, in case you didn't know who I was. And uh, I am, was, I am. Um, I'm one of the pastors here. And today we're going to finish, we're finishing our series in the book of Jonah. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm used to doing, we were doing Kids Club this week. We had a lot of that going on. We're finishing Jonah. Uh, but don't worry, because next week we start a brand new series. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Good, that's more like it. Um, it was just to say, before I get into it, it was, yeah, we had a great week, Funky Monkeys. We haven't done it for a while. It's great to gather all these kids here, lots of people, lots of guests. Um, they had a great time. And uh, again, big shout out to all the helpers. So thanks for helping out. Um, well, today we're going to be thinking about, as we finish our series in Jonah, and the book of Jonah, which we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4, looking at the NIV, if you want to find it. And we're going to, um, as we end the series, we're going to be thinking about God's compassion and Jonah's response to it, as well as our own response to God's compassion and his mercy. Um, I remember when I was uh, probably 17 or 18, I was quite young, I passed my driving test. I was very keen. Within about two months of my birthday, I got my license. I looked really young. I, I mean, I looked like, they were like, what's this little like, 12-year-old doing driving a car around? So I was like, my dad was very kind and generous, let me drive his car, um, which when I look back now, I was like, wow, okay, that was very trusting. But I did, and I, I just remember an occasion where I went out with some friends, and we went out to a kebab shop one evening, um, and it was this place in, near Sidcup, and you would drive up onto the pavement, it was one of these ones you could kind of park on the pavement facing the shop, so imagine that's the road you're there. We went in, everything was good. As I came out, I remember just, I reversed, turned, and I was looking that way to check the road, and I just heard a crunch. And I was like, oh dear. And I looked the other way, and I realized as I was turning the car looking that way, the car had gone into the lamppost and just <coughs> into the wing mirror. I completely pulled it away. It was like, <coughs> I was like, oh no. And I just felt awful, because it wasn't like a foolish, reckless thing. It was just silly. Um, but I was thinking, I've got a, my dad's car. So, um, but I remember taking it home that night and thinking, oh, okay, what am I going to do? I think I even got some money out of the cash point ready to give him in the morning because he was in bed. And I was just dreading waking up in the morning. And I, as I woke in the morning, kind of opened the door and said, look, shared what had happened. But to my kind of relief and surprise, he wasn't like, he didn't go crazy, he didn't go mad, he didn't shout at me, he didn't tell me off. He kind of heard what I'd said and he, and he had mercy, he had compassion, and uh, that really stuck with me. I think he actually even paid for it, he didn't take my money, um, and, and that, that was amazing. What a, a demonstration of, you know, he could have rightly just shouted at me and got me to pay for it, but he didn't. And um, I suppose many of us have had, or maybe will have times in our lives where someone uh, has showed compassion or mercy to us for, in one way or another. And um, I don't know if you can maybe even remember a situation right now where you've experienced that. And I wonder if you can remember how it felt, you know, how th those feelings of like gratitude. Um, we also have times in our lives where we are presented with a situation which requires us to be the ones who will have the decision. Are we going to be the ones to show mercy and compassion to someone else? Um, I actually just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was coming out of this building uh, one evening, and I always lock my bike. I come in on my bike, I lock it out there, and 
And for a couple of years, I've, I've left my bike lights on. I know sometimes you think you should take them away, you're in London. But I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to trust people. And for a good couple of years, they've been fine. I thought, great. But then I came out, and my, just the front light was gone. Someone just, just taken it. And I was like, ah. Oh. And I suppose the initial reaction is like, who is, who, where are they, you know? Why have they done this, you know? And a bit of outrage. Like, how could someone just take something that's not theirs? Take my thing and, you know, causes me bother. Um, but I had a choice there. I could, I could remain in that state of kind of suspicion and um, just frustration uh, and, and kind of being judgmental of anyone around me. Was it you? Was it you? Uh, or I could choose to have forgiveness and just reason in my mind that they are someone who's in the need of love, the love of God. And um, as I made my way home that evening, I, did, I resolved in my own mind, even though I've I didn't actually see them. I don't know who took it, but I resolved in my own mind to just, rather than get bitter about it, go, well, that, whoever it was is obviously needy. They, this, you know, whatever caused them to do that. But they need, they need the love of God in their life. And so I just prayed for them, whoever it was. Um, but it's not always easy to kind of respond in that way, especially in the, the moment at first. And today, as we finish looking at the story of Jonah, we're going to see and be reminded of, because we've been hearing it throughout this series, how Jonah was shown such great compassion and mercy uh, by God, wasn't he, as he kind of rebelled against God and then came back and was given a second chance. So we're going to be thinking about how then Jonah had to wrestle with his own feelings in response to how God's compassion and mercy was shown to the rebellious and sinful city of Nineveh. So that's kind of I guess our main theme this morning is thinking about that. It's thinking God has shown Jonah and shown us great love and mercy. And it should really result in us being those that then desire to have God's love and mercy shown to others, to those around us. But it might not always be the case. But that's where we're going to kind of focus as we conclude. But let's just, let's just pray before we then get into reading from chapter 4 of Jonah. So Father God, we do thank you um, for your presence with us now. Lord God, we thank you for your great love, for your great mercy. We thank you that we get to just remind ourselves of it now as we just still ourselves in the busyness of the week gone by. And God, I, I do ask that you would um, speak to us this morning, speak to hearts this morning. As I was, we were praying before the meeting, just had the sunshine beaming on my face and felt the warmth of it and felt you, God, saying you want to warm cold hearts this morning. Maybe there's some here this morning who just felt a bit distant, a bit hard-hearted. But Holy Spirit, would you, would you soften our hearts again? Would you cause us to be those that have compassion on those around us and be reminded of the great mercy and compassion you've shown to us? Amen. So just a quick recap of the story before we read. Um, so Jonah... He was a man who was told by God to go and preach to this wicked city. He rebelled against God, and he traveled in a sh on a ship in the opposite direction. And then a great storm arose, brought on by God, and then he ended up in the sea. He was swallowed by a big fish, which was actually his salvation. God caused him to stay alive within the belly of this fish, and then it threw him up onto the beach. And he was given a second chance, and he went to the city of Nineveh. And this time he did preach against their wickedness and brought the message that God gave him that there would be judgment in 40 days. They would be destroyed. 
But the city repented of their ways. They humbled themselves before God. They cried out for mercy, and God had mercy on them and withheld his destruction. And Jonah got annoyed about this and went off in a huff, which is where we pick up the story today. So Jonah chapter 4 from verse 5 says, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. So Jonah's kind of gone, oh, this hasn't happened, God, you said it would, but her. So he's sitting there outside the city, but it says he's kind of waiting to see what would happen. It was like God said, I was shown that he's going to have mercy, but maybe there's a sense of Jonah's like, maybe God will change his mind. I'll get him to see, get to see him destroy this city. I mean, maybe Jonah was feeling a sense of injustice that they, they've been led off or maybe a sense of humiliation. You know, I'm this great prophet. I've come with this message and it hasn't been fulfilled. Maybe his pride was dented in some way. But there we are. We have him there outside the city. And then in verse 6, it says, The Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. We've been doing this series downstairs with the kids. They're watching it. They, we've been watching an animation, um, and they portray Jonah as this kind of grumpy guy with a bit of a balding head. So if that was the case, I can empathize with the sun beating down. It's not nice. I always like to find a bit of shade when the sun comes out. I'm, I'm not one for like sun beating down. So Jonah was very happy about the plant. I'm sure I would have been very happy about a plant shading me in that situation. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. It would be better for me to die than live. I mean, just imagine, it's really hot. There's, it says a scorching east wind. Does anyone remember, it seems a while ago now, we had a heat wave back in that last summer. And I remember there was that, you know, uh, putting the, drawing the curtains, doing all the things like staying in the dark when it's sun to keep cool. But I had to go and pick up the kids from school. And I remember going out on my bike and it felt like I was cycling into a hairdryer. It was that warm. It's like... And so I just imagine that as I'm reading this. There's a scorching east wind. It's baking. And so Jonah's like, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be so angry about the plant? And Jonah says, it is. He said, I'm angry and I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant. And though you did not tend to it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? And thus concludes the story of Jonah. Bit of a weird ending, isn't it? Like, oh, is that it? Yep, that's the end. So what's happened here in what we've just read? As we've heard, Jonah is he's, he's in a huff with God God causes this lovely plant to grow, give him shade from the sun, which greatly pleases Jonah. 
He sends a worm, then God does, to make the plant die. Jonah gets cross with God about the destruction of the plant. But God then challenges Jonah to examine his feelings about the destruction of a plant compared to the potential destruction of 120,000 people plus animals. Now, there's a part of me here that can empathize with Jonah. I imagine he must have been tired and weary. You know, he's been on this journey. He's been in the sea. He's been in a storm. He's been in the belly of a whale. He's come out. He's walked across this city, which for a few days he's preached his heart out. That hasn't happened. He's gone. He's had this hot weather, you know. And then what's going on here? What's God doing? Is he just teasing Jonah with this plant? Here one moment, gone the next. It's like, God, thank you for the, what? You've taken it away? You know, I could feel, I'd, you know, I'd probably be a bit annoyed as well, maybe. But when we take time to think about and examine this moment happening here, what we can see is that God is actually teaching Jonah something important through a simple object lesson. So we often like to do object lessons with the kids when we're teaching them here at church or at Funky Monkeys, I was mentioning earlier, um, the idea of using some kind of object to demonstrate and teach something of God's character or what he does. For example, uh, this week we had Luthea. Where are you? Are you here, Luthea? Oh, there she is. She was out here with the Henry the Hoover in the middle of Funky Monkeys. But it was all part of a lesson. And we were talking about how uh, the noise of a Hoover can actually frighten a young child. Oh, it's a Hoover. But as soon as the parent picks up the young child, they're safe and secure, uh, even though they might be scared. And the parent has the power to turn off that loud noise and that Hoover. And we compared it to the calming of the storm of the Jesus and the disciples and how God carries us through storms of life. Um, but also he has the power just at the flick of a button or at his word to say stop and it stops. So there's a lesson within a lesson for you, um, just a bonus one. But there's the idea of an object lesson. So here we've got not a Hoover, but we've got a plant. God's saying, okay, Jonah... Here's this plant. It's grown and it's died. Jonah got attached to this plant and uh, he grieves the loss of it because it's a plant that should be bringing him shade. God grieves the loss of the hearts of the city that should be bringing him glory. A small worm corrupted something beautiful in this plant, this lovely plant, and a small worm caused it to die. And you could say the small worm, worms of sin, have corrupted a city which should be beautiful. It should be bringing glory to God. This ancient city of Nineveh has been around for many years, first mentioned in Genesis 10. And now it's near to death. And it upsets God. Sin upsets God. I wonder, does sin grieve and upset you when you hear about some sinful act or situation? What does it do inside of you? God is angered by it, as we might be too. Yet God, as well as being angered at sin, at the same time, is also a God of love and compassion. And 
we, we can even see this displayed through the life of Jesus uh, later in the Bible, where Jesus is God, God as a man. And we see time and time again, we read through the New Testament, Jesus looked upon the crowds. He had compassion. He looked upon the sinners. He looked upon those who were despised, the tax collectors. And despite their sinful situations they were in and the sin they perhaps had committed, he at the same time had compassion for them. The people in the city of Nineveh are God's creation. You know, they've been doing the awful things. They've been worshipping false gods and doing all sorts of terrible things as we've heard about in recent weeks. But, but they're God's creation. And it grieves him to see them in this state. Jonah is God's creation. And it grieves God to see him sinning, running away, rebelling against his call to go and do what he wants him to do. God showed mercy to Jonah through, as we heard, through the fish despite his rebellion, rescuing him and giving him a second chance. God showed mercy to Nineveh, despite their rebellion. And God shows mercy to us. He shows mercy to us, despite the fact that we have all rebelled and turned against him and are deserving of his judgment as the Ninevites were. Every one of us, every person since Adam uh, is, is born into sin. And we live these lives where we, we can be turning away from God. And we deserve his correction, his punishment, his wrath. And that's right from a just God. But at the same time, he looks upon us with compassion. And that's why he sent Jesus to come and die in our place so that he could judge, show judgment, but also forgiveness. And he is, if you're a believer here today, God has given you the greatest gift in that he's bestowed upon you his mercy and compassion, that he has called you, that he has brought you to himself. That is the greatest gift of all. And, you know, you were once headed for eternal separation from God. You are headed for hell and destruction, as it says in God's word. But now your future hope is eternity with your creator, who is now your father. And I, I wonder, how does that affect the way that you look at your community that's around you, this community that's around us in Putney and beyond? See, God's mercy and compassion shown to Jonah should have given him a desire to see that same mercy and compassion shown to the city of Nineveh. You know, he's complaining about them, but if he just took some time and actually just stopped and realized, God, you showed me this love and compassion. Okay, you're showing it to them. And the same for us. God's mercy and compassion shown to us should give us a desire to see that same mercy and compassion shown to others. We should desire, God, I want, I want others to see and know your love and compassion for them. God said to Jonah in the final verse, in verse 11 of chapter 4, he said, And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? In other words, they, they just don't know, you know. Like Jesus said on the cross, forgive them, for they do not know. Yesterday, I did a little bit of Googling, and um, I was just out of interest, I looked at the population, or what it, what it gave me, from just some of the areas that we as a church are in or reach out into. 
And so I looked at the population of Putney, Roehampton, Southfields, Norbiton. They're just a few areas that we're in. I know we're in some other areas as well um, as we live, but just to pick a few. I totaled up those populations and it came to 116,853, nearly 120,000. So, hey, there's our Nineveh there. We've got this, these areas, and I know there's more, but that we're in, and this, this, is, this is the community around us, full of people, the majority of which don't know God, are turned away from him. And I wonder how we feel about that. Does it, does it grieve us? Are we filled with compassion for the lost people all around us? Or have we maybe become a bit apathetic or perhaps even hardened to their situation? Perhaps we find ourselves joining in with those who express outrage at the atrocities and sins of people in the news and in the media and in the areas around us. We might find ourselves saying, oh yeah, hearing about this situation or this person's done this in the news. Yeah, they, they deserve punishment. They deserve what they get. They should be locked up, key thrown away, and that's it. And don't get me wrong, People deserve to face punishment and consequences for their sinful actions. But do we just find ourselves in our hearts stopping there? Do we, do we look out and go, yeah, they deserve that. Mm, that's terrible what they've done. Or do we in our hearts go, that's terrible, but ah, they need the mercy and they need to know the love of God. There's something not right there that has caused this person to do this thing or that thing that's caused them to cause pain for others, to sin, to rebel. Do, do we have hearts like the hearts of God for those that are lost? I, I find this really challenging myself. Um, you know, I look out, I found myself just in preparing this, I was at home. I live in Roehampton. Um, in the middle of the estate there and just, I just found myself standing looking out the window and just from looking out the window I can see hundreds of people in, in the sense of loads of homes where people live and people walking around and just standing there going, wow, person walking there, that person walking there most likely doesn't know you, is in need of your mercy, is in need of your compassion. But where's my heart really at? You know, how much am I grieved for them? Or is it just a fleeting thought and then I'm off to do whatever, to take my mind off it? Um, yeah. I mean, your neighbors, your work colleagues, your classmates at school or at college, you know, are you happy just to see them go on as they are without knowing God? Or do you want them to know God? Uh, you know, and I've probably mentioned before, I have a few friends who I'm still in touch with from school. They don't know Jesus yet. But I'm praying for them. And, and I say I've been praying for them for years, which I have been. But I mean, I don't know if it will be daily. But I'm saying, God, cause me to have a, a greater burden to pray. I think out of some of our recent series, I've you know, I've done things now like just put a reminder that alerts me at the same time every day. Pray for salvation. 
just to remind me because I can forget. Yeah, okay, let me just stop and pray for them. Uh, I don't, I mentioned earlier as I was praying this idea of I felt God, I was standing there just as we were praying and I felt the warmth come in and I, and I felt, you know, even for myself, God, uh, warm up my heart where I've gone a bit cold, a bit, um, yeah, just I'm, I'm where, where I'm just not really feeling anything. God, cause me to feel your love and compassion. Cause me to feel pain. We don't want to feel pain, do we? I mean, if you're like, let me pray for you to feel pain. You probably wouldn't want that prayer. But in the sense of, we should be saying, God, let me know what grieves you. Because then we'll be praying for it. Then we'll be desiring. We'll have a greater sense of, we've been talking about this sense of urgency for the lost. And I do feel that, um, you know, we're, we're going to be, after this series, we're going to be doing a series on prayer um, over the next coming weeks, which is great. And I f- we feel God's led us into it. And I, it feels right, you know, we're coming at the end of this series. It's not just a nice story. That, the Jonah, yeah, he got swallowed by a whale, spat out. That's a nice story. What's God teaching us now as a church here today at, through this? What, what is God wanting to do? I really feel like as we've been gathering to pray um, as a church in recent weeks and months, uh, there's, sense, there's a sense of growing um, desire. God, we need you. We need you. And we need to be those that continue to call out on God to be at work in us and to be at work in the community around us. So as we kind of conclude our study on the story of Jonah, I think, yeah, as I was saying, we should be reminded, really, to firstly regularly reflect on the mercy and compassion that God has shown to us. Um, When we come here every Sunday as a church, we sing these wonderful songs. And part of that is to declare the glory of God. We're singing truth. We're also singing content there that is reminding us of who we were, where we came from, and what God has done. God has saved us. He's brought us to life. He's renewed us. And it's it's hard for us to pray, really, I think, that God would have compassion on mercy on the, the world around us if we're not reminding ourselves of his mercy and compassion shown to us. As Jonah should have done, he should have been there going, rather than, oh, I'm angry because you're not destroying them and I look a fool because of what I've done. Oh, actually, God, what are you teaching me here? Yes, you, you are the one that is sovereign over all things. God, you saved me. You could have caused me to die, but you saved me. You've given me a second chance. You've saved these people. Hallelujah. And do you know what's interesting? And um, we were talking about it a bit before, and if anyone's been reading that book by Tim Keller on the series of Jonah, The Prodigal Prophet, um, he makes a comment about the fact that Jonah, we're like, we don't know what happened next. But actually, it seems as though Jonah has perhaps gone away and then, relayed this story and had it written down so that we can hear from it. So you get the sense that actually Jonah's gone away and gone, ah, actually, yes, God, you're right. Let me write this so that others can see and know, God, you want people to hear about this mercy and compassion. 
And so let's trust that he was someone who did learn in the end. And we're all learning all the time, aren't we? We don't just get it and then that's it. We have to keep relearning sometimes the same lessons over and over. But let's keep calling out on God. Let's keep asking him, God, teach me. And then as we're reminding ourselves of where we've come from and the mercy God has shown us, because we don't deserve it. It's, not, it's nothing we've done. I can't stand here and go, oh, I'm, I'm better than anyone else. It's because I've done this, this, and this that... God has saved me and loves me. No, it's because of nothing I've done. It's because of his mercy alone and because of his grace. And I've said, God, I thank you, Jesus, you've died in my place. It was nothing I've done. Wow. Wow. So God, all these people out there, they don't know that. Have mercy on them. Have mercy on my neighbors. They don't know you. Have mercy on my friends, on my family who don't know you. Do we want to be that kind of church? This is where we could go back to the bit of the uh, interaction. Do we want to be that kind of church? Yeah? Do we want to be reminded daily of God's great mercy and compassion that he showed to us? Do we want to see more and more people come to know Jesus? Do we want to pray? Yes. Do we want to celebrate and worship God when we come together? Yes. Good. We do, and I know you do. We all do. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to worship in the moment. The band are going to come up. We're going to worship, and perhaps we'll have an opportunity as well to respond. We, we're going to pray as well. So why don't we stand now? I'm aware not everyone here may be a believer, but take it the majority of us here are and know Jesus. Just as the band gets set up, why don't we just take a moment? Why don't you just close your eyes if you feel comfortable to do so? You might want to stand there. You might want to hold your hands out to God. Whatever way you want to express that you're just here, you're here before him. Let's just lift our eyes to him now. Just remind yourself of your own story, your own personal story of salvation, where God has brought you from. Father God, I thank you that those of us here that are have given our lives to you and call ourselves Christians, we can call you Father, the God of all creation, the God who made the earth and the heavens and the stars and the seas, the huge fish, the trees, the bushes, the worms, everything, us. Lord, you reign over it all. You are sovereign. And Lord, we were once far from you and you have called us back to yourself. You have called us to become your sons and daughters. But not, a, not for free. There was a great cost. And I thank you, Jesus, that you came obediently as the Father sent you. You hung on that cross and you took the punishment and the wrath that we deserved so that we could be free. 
we receive that amazing gift of grace. We remind ourselves of it again. We say, God, we don't deserve it. None of us have righteousness in our, of our own, but we have your righteousness, Lord God. Oh, Lord God, we just want to say again, come before you and say, thank you, God. Thank you for the work of salvation in each of our lives. Thank you for what you've done in me. Thank you you saved me. Thank you that you've been patient with me over the years, the times where I, time and time again I fail, I trip up, I turn away from you. Um, but yet again, time and time again, you welcome me back. You welcome us back into your arms, Lord God. You welcome us all today. No matter what state we find ourselves in this morning, Lord, you love us. You love us. You draw us in. You wrap your loving arms around us. We have an eternal hope, an eternal future to look forward to with you. But Lord God, we recognize there are so many that don't know that. God, break our hearts. Break our hearts for the lost. Father God, break our hearts again for those that don't know you. Lord, help us to put away silly distractions. Lord, cause us to be biblical and reasonable and get down on our knees and cry out to you for mercy. Because that's what people need. Oh, Lord God. But we thank you, Lord, that you are merciful. And we trust you. We trust you to lead us and guide us now. And in the coming weeks as we continue to pursue you as a church, to be a people of prayer and to draw closer and closer to your heart. Lord, break our hearts, soften our hearts this morning, I pray. And Lord, now we choose to declare your truth again. We choose to praise you and sing our love songs to you. In Jesus' name, amen.